Well, special thank you to our, our children's church for coming in and sharing with us this morning. Thank our choir and thank our praise team. Thank all of you for worshiping this morning. And so I'm glad that you're here and had an opportunity to worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. We're going to read uh, uh, verses 1 through 3 as I share with you this morning a sermon that I've entitled The Great Falling Away. The Great Falling Away from 2 Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. First Thessalonians, find the T's as you go back toward the book of Revelation, and you'll come to First and Second Thessalonians. We'll look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Then out of respect, and as we read the inerrant, the inspired, uh, infallible word of God, if you would, please stand. If you're able to stand, please stand. And we'll read, I'll read the verses if you'll follow along. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 1 through 3. The word should be on the screen. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it is from, uh, as, as, it is from, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to worship you, and Lord, we've worshiped you in, in hymns and praise songs, and thank you for the opportunity now to open your word and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Help us to realize, Father, you're speaking to us, and this is just not words printed on paper, but this is the infallible, the inerrant word of God. So, Help us, Father, we pray, to be attentive to how you speak to us this morning. And, Father, we know when you speak to us, you want us to, to return to you. And, Father, that uh, you want us to make a positive decision in our life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be sharing a lot of scripture with you this morning. You might just want to jot those down. Uh, so give you an outline just a few minutes and you can jot down some notes but the great falling away recently i was reading the september the 29th issue of the alabama baptist and the main headline of the paper on the front page of the alabama baptist was this and i'll quote religious future fewer than half of americans may be christian by 2070 let me say that again. The headline, Alabama Baptist, religious future. Fewer than half of Americans may be Christian by 2070. The article also stated, and I'll quote, that currently about one-third or 31% of Christians become disaffiliated before they're 30 years old, according to Pew Research. 
The article also stated that with no limit placed on the percentage leaving Christianity and with the continual growth and disaffiliation, Christians will be 35% of the population with nuns, and that's N-O-N-E-S, making up the majority of America at 52%. And so basically it's saying this, by 1970, America will be 35% Christian, and 52% will be those that have no preference whatsoever, referred to now as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they're nothing in regards to religious views. So the point is, there is a great falling away in the Christian faith. When Gallup, was, when Gallup first measured church membership in 1937, 73% of Americans were, were Christians, were church members. In the early 80s, more than 70% of American adults were church members. In 2000, 65% church members. In 2010, 59% church members. In 2020, 50% church members. And now there's less than half of Americans today that belong to a local church. And that also corresponds with the decline in regular church attendance. More than 50% of the members of Mountain View Baptist Church do not attend church. I was told in a meeting that I went to last week, last Monday at state board, our state board in Prattville, that since COVID, church attendance in Southern Baptist churches have declined 30%. And I came back and I figured our attendance since COVID, and that's about right. We have a decline of about 30% for morning worship. So therefore, the core issue is that people are falling away from the church, even falling away from the faith. The faith. Now, we're speaking about falling away from the church, falling away from the faith, but really falling away from Jesus himself. Now, I hope you're aware that the next event that takes place on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, the calling out of the church, commonly referred to as the rapture, the calling out of the church, or the snatching away of the church, or as our text referred to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, our gathering together with him. So the next thing that's going to happen for the believer is Christ is coming back for the church, and there's no sign needed for that. It could happen any minute, any moment. We have a description of that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and you're familiar with it, but sometimes we get too familiar to the point we don't pay any attention to what God is saying to us. So look at it afresh today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, uh, with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we 
who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means prevent those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And so the question is, so what happens after the church is called out of the world? Well, the world as we know it at that time, as we're going up, the world at that time will experience this great tribulation, which is referred to as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Now, Joel, the prophet Joel, described the day of the Lord. Peter, Peter quotes Joel in Acts chapter 2, verse 20, and he said this, some of the things that's going to be happening the day of the Lord. Acts 2, uh, verse 20, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now that hasn't happened yet. But it's going to happen after the church is called up and the tribulation begins. We're going to see the day of the Lord. We're going to see a great and terrible time. We're not going to see it, but those who are left behind are going to see it, not only see it, but experience it. And Paul said, don't let anyone deceive you, 2 Thessalonians 2, said, don't let anyone deceive you, for the day of the Lord, uh, for the day of the Lord shall come. Now, what day? The rapture? No, he's already dealt with that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So the day of the Lord shall not come except two things are fulfilled. The first is there come a great falling away. Second is that the man of sin be revealed. Those two things happen. Now, many believe this falling away is known as apostasy. We're going to look at that for a moment. Apostasy. What is apostasy? Roman numeral 2 in your notes. What is apostasy? Apostasy is not the same thing as atheism. Uh, atheism is when people believe that there's no God. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart that there is no God. Now, notice he says in his heart, I believe that the fool knows in his mind there is a God. I believe he knows there's a God. And the reason I believe that is because of Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Follow along on the screen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who surpass the truth and unrighteousness because... What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts are darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools, and they change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up, to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, 
who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and they worshiped and served the creature, the creation, rather, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And so 2 Thessalonians, verse 3, God's not dealing with atheism, but apostasy are falling away. So if you want a definition of apostasy, take this down. Apostasy refers to people who, have, who had seemingly embraced Christianity only to fall from their faith. Now, if you would turn to Jude just for a moment, the book of Jude. Only one chapter in the book of Jude. Look at verse 3 and 4. Or let's go back to verse 1. Look at 1. Jude, a bondservant of Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called sanctified, for those who are called and sanctified by God the Father and preserved, some translations who are kept, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3, Beloved, while I'm very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, he wants us to contend for the faith. There's a difference between faith and the faith. Faith is the act of believing. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Belief, or faith, is an act of believing. However, the faith contend with the faith. The faith is the whole body of biblical doctrine that, that, comp that comprises the totality of Scripture. It's the Word of God. The faith is the Word of God. The faith is the revelation of God. The faith is, is the Holy Scripture. The faith is the Bible. So he's saying we need to contend for the faith. Our, our mandate in June 3 is to contend for the faith. The faith, the Word of God, has been given to us to preserve and to keep and to obey. We're to contend for the faith. Now listen, apostasy refers to people who at one time or another embrace Christianity only to fall from the faith. They fell from the Word of God. We're talking about those who claim to be followers of Christ, but they have turned their back on Him and His Word. So spiritual apostasy, falling away, occurs when a person who once claimed to be a believer departs from what he formerly professed to believe. He left the faith, the Word of God. An apostate is it's not someone who was saved and lost their salvation. An apostate is someone who claimed to be a believer, never was, and abandoned their profession. They apostate. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, he says, The day of the Lord will not occur unless there's a great falling away first. Now here's what's coming. Here's what's coming down the pipe. The pipe. First of all, you have the rapture. That's the next thing that's going to happen. Christ comes for his church. 
And at that moment, the tribulation breaks out on the earth and the Antichrist is revealed. The Antichrist is unmasked. And at that time, a great falling away takes place. And if the rapture could happen any moment, the falling away can happen any moment. In fact, we're seeing it happen right now. By 2070, only 35% of Americans are going to be Christians. And you see people leaving the church right and left today. It's happening today. So the point is, where do we go from here? According to, uh, according to David Jeremiah in his book, Where Do We Go From Here? He said this, with things happening like they are, we could be on the front edge of the falling away that Paul was explaining in 2 Thessalonians 2-3. Just look around. Just look around. If we're seeing bits and pieces of the great falling away now, think how close the rapture is. It could happen any moment. The point is, the point I'm trying to make is the acceleration of people falling away is happening right now. Apostasy is on the rise right now. That's another sign that we're moving toward the end and we're kind of picking up speed as we go. So what do we do? What do we do? We know the rapture or the calling away or the snatching away of the church could happen at any moment. So what do we do? First of all, let me give you three things you need to do. First of all, authentic, you need to know who you are. As a believer, you need to know who you are. Authentic believers first of all, are called by God. Have you been called by God to salvation? Authentic, real believers have been called by God, and they've responded to that call. I remember the day I was called by God to be saved. I mean, I'd heard the outward call several times, preacher after preacher, sermon after sermon. There was an outward call, an outward call, an outward call. And then I heard, one day I heard this inward call, and it was different from the outward call. God had really touched my heart and said, Hey, Sammy, if you don't trust Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. And that really touched my heart. It's like Kyle was speaking a few minutes ago, just as Lazarus came forth out of the grave when Jesus called his name. So when I was 11 years old, I came up out of this spiritual death into a spiritual life. I was dead in my sin. I'd heard the outward call and outward call and preacher calling out and preacher calling out, but then I heard the inward call. And that was different. And God called me out of this spiritual death into this spiritual life, resurrected me out of that spiritual death into a spiritual life, and God called me out of spiritual darkness into his marvelous light, and he opened my heart to the gospel. He softened my heart. Acts chapter 16, verse 14, a lady by the name of Lydia. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, Paul speaking. And she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped who worshiped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. That's what happened when I was saved. God just opened my heart, softened my heart. 
Know who you are. What are we to do since this great falling away is picking up speed? What are we to do? First of all, we, know who, we need to know who we are. And first, we need to know that we were called by God to salvation. Second thing you need to remember is that you're beloved by God. You are the beloved of God. We as his people are the beloved of God. Sanctified, he says in Jude 3, sanctified, set apart for God himself. So the believer, he called us, he brought us out of this world, he washed us in his blood, and he set us apart for himself. And not only did he set me apart, but I am kept by him. Number three, I'm kept by him. Look at Jude 1. Jude 1 says, verse, three, uh, verse uh, 1 Judah, beloved bondservant, go down to those who are called. I'm called by God. I'm sanctified by God, and I'm preserved in Christ. Better translation is I'm kept in Christ. I'm kept, I'm preserved. The word kept, the Greek word is terio. It means to watch. It means to guard over. God is watching over me. God is guarding over me. I'm kept by him. The word is in perfect tense, which means a past completed action that has continuing results so it's best translated continually kept i am continually looked over kept by god so when i stumble spiritually god keeps me from falling remember when our children were learning to walk and man they they'd stumble they'd fall and you you go over and pick them up and then it dawned on me hey i need to help them they're going to fall again and so i just hold their arms you know and i let them I let them take a walk, you know, and, and they start to fall, and I'll catch them, I'll pull them up. That's what Christ does for us. He keeps us. He keeps us. When we fall, he just picks us back up. He, he keeps us from falling. That's the way our Heavenly Father assists us. He, he takes care of us. So our salvation's not dependent on, on our holding on to the bitter end. But God reaches down and he takes hold of us when we stumble spiritually. And we don't have to keep our, own, we don't have to keep our salvation. He keeps it. He, he, uh, he watches over us. Just remember as an apostate. An apostate is not a true believer who walks away from his salvation. It's impossible for a true believer to walk away from his salvation. Do you know that? Because he called us, God called us, God brought us out of the world, he washed us in his blood, and he set us apart for himself. And, and verse 3 says, Behold, beloved, he calls us the beloved. We're, we're called of God, we're set apart from God, he keeps us, watches over us, and we're his beloved. Beloved, underline beloved. You know when a man loves a woman? He marries her, and when he does, he sets her apart. Sets her apart from all others. Now, I may love you, but uh, my wife, Judy, is my beloved. I mean, I love you, Carrie, I love you, but you're not my beloved. God loves the lost person, but they're not his beloved. They're not his beloved. Those who are saved are his beloved. The point is, it's a wonderful thing to know that you're called out of this world and that you're beloved by God. I love my children. 
I love my grandchildren. But God loves us even more than we love our children. Imagine that. And there's nothing that we can do to make His love more for us or even less for us. He doesn't love us because we're valuable or because we're worthy, but we're worthy and valuable because He loves us. See, get that straight. That's why He loves us. And nothing can separate us from that love. Jot down Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I'm persuaded, Paul said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created being, even you, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we're His. So you're called by God. You're kept by God. You're separated for God. You are beloved by God. And an apostate professes that he doesn't possess any of that. You know, apostates are not cheap. They're like, they're like uh, pigs and dogs. An apostate, one who pretends they're saved, is like a pig and a dog. You say, where do you get that, Brother Sammy? Well, look, if you will, uh, to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, and let's look at verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 2. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them, but it, is, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Did you get that? I was talking to a friend of mine. I drank coffee with him a couple of times a week, Brother Earl Snodgrass, a retired Baptist preacher, moved in here from Missouri, and farmer. And so Brother Earl, was, we were talking last week, and he said, Brother Sammy, he said, did you know that you can take a pig, a hog, he said, a hog, and you can clean that hog, and you can wash that hog, and he'll, it'll be beautiful, have a beautiful pink skin. And he said, you can put a ribbon on its head or tie it to its tail, and you can let that pig stay in the house as a pet pig. But, the, but that doesn't change the nature of the pig. And a pig will return to its mire, it'll return to its slop as soon as it gets a chance. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, has a different nature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. God gives us a different nature when we get saved. We don't want to do the things that are not pleasing to him. Listen, it's, it's obvious today that the rapture of the church is real near. And so how do you, you say, Brother Samuel, how do you know that? Because we can already see the acceleration of this falling away that has to take place before the Lord, sets his, before the Lord brings His wrath and His tribulation on this earth. And so before all of the tribulation comes, He's carrying us out of here. And that's a different sermon. So don't be discouraged, Christian. You're called by God, you're beloved of God, you're kept by God. You say, well, Brother Samuel, 
How can I keep from being an apostate? And I'm closing with this real quick. You need to examine yourself. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 5, says this. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. I don't think I gave it. Yeah, I did. Thank you. Second uh, Corinthians. Examine yourself as to see whether you're in the faith. Ask yourselves, do you know... Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? You not know that? Unless you indeed, unless you indeed, you are disqualified. You say, well, I want to know if I'm a Christian. Well, ask yourself. Ask yourself, am I a believer? And God's Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are or that you're not. You say, well, you're, you're just a church member. Make sure that you're a Christian. You're, you're not a Christian because you grew up in church. and You're not a Christian because your, your parents were Christians. You're not a Christian because you serve the church or give money to the church. You're a Christian because you realize that you're a sinner. You realize that Christ came to save you from your sins. If you would trust Him and only Him. And you gave your heart and your life to him, called out to him, Lord, please save me and forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe, you, I believe the gospel that you came and you died on the cross. You were buried and you arose again. One day you're coming back and, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Please forgive me and come into my life and save me. Sad words in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23 or 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So ask yourself, examine yourself. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I, I don't remember when I was saved. I don't remember the date or month. I couldn't tell you the date or month either. But I knew God called me. I knew he was calling me to salvation. If I can't remember the day and the month, does that, does that mean I'm lost? No, it doesn't mean you're lost. It just means you can't remember the day and the month. But you know in your heart how you ask Christ. Go back to the time you asked Christ to save you. Were you sincere in your heart? Or were you doing it because somebody else was doing it? Or what's the deal? Did you really trust Christ? You see, salvation is by faith. God said he had saved me. I asked him to save me. And he saved me when I trusted him. And when you come to that conclusion, claim the promise of eternal life. Claim the promise. John 10 verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What a promise. By faith. All that's by faith. By faith. By faith. Well, it's obvious it's great falling away happening right now. We can see it happening. But let me ask you, have you pledged your allegiance to, to the Lamb of God in all of this?